Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. How's it going today, Matt? Uh, Very well today, John. And despite talking off air for the best part of 40 minutes, it's just dawned on me that I bought a drink for tonight's episode, a a blind spot in green style drink. Ah. And I made myself a cup of tea instead, and I've just wasted the opportunity to have my nutritious vitamin-based drink. So slightly bummed out by that. However, I am looking forward to talking film with you as usual. So uh, before that, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I, I had uh, I'm going to be hitting the gym here after we record, pretty much, oh. and um, because I had uh, some pizza, just a couple slices. Mm-hmm bad man um and a couple of wings but uh well they're fried they are fried but they are unbreaded wings and then um but i did eat a gigantic salad uh okay you're trying to you know made trying to you know they were wings but unbreaded but they were nice but i did have a massive salad trying to justify it a giant uh salad like you enjoyed all of it didn't you the salad was pretty good um i got this uh they had like the pre-made like salad bags they come with like all the stuff in it the whole bag was 340 calories and um, had like an avocado Caesar dressing. Okay. Um, and it was pretty good. And it had like, I need like, to get into that, man. I, oh, I need to get into it. I, uh, I, you know, the last two years, my, uh, my willingness to eat things has changed dramatically. I am much more open to eating. Uh, when, when you cut out so much of your normal diet because like mm-hmm. everything was horrible. Um, you suddenly are just like, you know what? Fine, I'm gonna eat any vegetable that's put in front of me because otherwise, there's nothing for me to eat. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hear that. But I've said it to you before. I need to eat more salad, and you've given me things to say like, try this, put this in it. It's just getting over that final hurdle, especially when there's cookies in the house or biscuits, whatever they yeah. want to call them. It's I, getting over that hurdle, man. And I some of the I things knew... which I know you're going to mention tonight don't help. Yeah, yeah, I, I correct, um, but. We are uh, we are here not to talk about diets or food, although we always will. Um, we are here to talk about uh, films, and we would love to talk about films and theaters, but that's not really an option for us right now. So we're looking to those streaming services and those uh, VOD companies to to see the newest movies that we possibly can. And this week, it falls on the HBO Max for the U.S., and it falls into a Sky Premiere for you, right? Yep. So a film that we weren't sure was even going to come out this year suddenly got announced earlier this month that it was dropping this month. Um, and that's the witches uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by this. This really threw me. I didn't know about this until we were watching it uh, written by Robert Zemeckis, Kenya Barris and Guillermo del Toro. Apparently I'm assuming gonna, he produces it with Alfonso Cuaron as well. That is so weird to me. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. I don't know if uh, Del Toro just did touch up or if he actually had his hands more in the writing process, but um, there's definitely a Del Toro kind of vibe to some of this movie, but not all of it. Um, mm-hmm. You get Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci, and then three, well, not three child actors. And that's one of the weird things uh, you get. Jazir Bruno is the lead. Um, did you notice his, his billing in the movie? It's just hero. Wasn't it hero boy, which that's is it. the same. Uh, that Zemeckis used for Polar Express. If you look up the the main kid that's played by Josh Hutchinson, mm. 
he's listed as hero boy. So I don't know if Zemeckis is just getting lazy on naming characters or if he just doesn't feel like heroes need a character or uh, I'm sorry, a name I should say. Um, but uh, you have two other uh, children type actors, I guess you have the uh, British kid. Uh, I think his name is Reginald, if I remember correctly. So it's Brian Bovel. Um, and then the other kid is played by Kristen Chenoweth. Who's not a kid. I, she doesn't sound like a kid when you watch the film. Nope. At all. Nope. Not at all. And I don't know how much of like what we can say about that without getting into specifics. Because if you're new to Bloody Awesome, guys, we don't spoil the movies that we review. Um, so no worries. Uh, although this is a remake. So there's a chance you've seen. I, I don't know how true to the original this is. To be honest, I've never seen the original. Um, There are scenes which are you know are reminiscent or homages or taken from but they do also go it does also go in its own way and things are added which weren't in i think it's nicholas rogue's um version 1990 and Houston, of course um it's different it's different well um it's based on though a raw doll book uh apparently a 1983 book but i didn't realize that um, the story tells the scary, funny, and imaginative tale of seven-year-old boy who has a run-in with some real-life witches. Uh, the movie has a 46 on Metascore, a 5.4 IMDb user score, and a 52 Rotten Tomato score. So not, not doing super well overall. Um, it was set to have a theatrical release. Obviously, every movie that was set to have a theatrical release is seeming to either be pushing back or dropping onto a streaming service. They went with the latter. And we've uh, now watched it. So, um, I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I am a fan of Zemeckis, but not so much his recent stuff, right? Like his <laughs> last few outings have not been my favorite. Um, I I didn't love Allied, uh, but I didn't dislike Allied compared to uh, Welcome to Marwin, which was so utterly confusing. Um, Just and. Awful. And one of the things that I thought was weird about Marwin was I didn't feel like it knew what its audience was uh, and even maybe what it was trying to do in some ways. And I kind of feel that way with the witches, right? Like I, I don't know who the movie's really for mm -hmm. and having not read the book nor seen the original movie, because I get the vibe that this could be true of those as well is that it is, it seems too scary to me for young kids, which is what the rest of the movie feels like it's targeting. Like, it seems to want to be silly and zany where like the younger audience would enjoy it. But the scenes that are scary are like really kind of scary. They're like creepy, uh, especially the, the character design. There's some very nasty stuff happening. And uh, from what I saw the images, I did look up some pictures of some of the witches in the original or the nineties <laughs> film. And they're horrifying, like, like very much so. Um, but like Anne Hathaway at one point channels Gollum, I would say is like the only way to describe a voice that comes out of her at some point is like very Gollum-esque. Like had she said, my precious, I totally would have just, Oh, it's Gollum. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Zemeckis has fallen, um, a little bit away from it, but starting with, um, Pol I, I guess it started with Polar Express. I actually thought it started with Beowulf, but he got into the mocap stuff and really went into that for three movies, right? We have Polar Express, Beowulf and a Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. all completely motion capture um progressively gets i've never seen beowulf to be fair but i've heard it doesn't look very good i like polar express but i do think it looks weird um 
and from what I remember of A Christmas Carol, it looks better than Polar Express, but still weird, especially Gary Oldman as, as Bob Cratchit, just super freaky looking. Mm -hmm. And then he definitely used that technology with Marwin, but I think much more effectively overall. And like, it's not, it's more Roger Rabbit-esque in that it's a hybrid movie. It's not all motion capture. The, the CG in Witches, some of it is really good and some of it is really bad. Like I thought the there's a chicken and a cat that are clearly CG animals, yeah. that look awful. Like, and I don't know if that's intentional because it is a kid's book. So I don't know if he's like trying to make it where these things are clearly not actually the animals. Cause that is part of it, right? Like they aren't really the animals that they're being that we're seeing. Like they, it is not a real chicken and it's not a, I don't think it's supposed to be a real cat. At least that's what seems to be implied. So maybe that's why they look so fake. Doesn't work. But some of the effects I thought looked really good. I thought like the witches themselves, I thought looked pretty solid. Creepy, but pretty solid overall. Um, but I still think tonally the movie doesn't doesn't seem to make sense. It's like I thought it was too too silly for adults to really enjoy, but too scary for children to really enjoy. So I don't know if there's an audience for this movie that will really work. I mean, obviously there's going to be some people that it just, those two things click really well for them. But I think generally speaking, it's not going to have a wide you know, audience. Who's really going to appreciate it. I did love Octavia Spencer though. So much. Uh, the opening sequence of this film had me tear up. I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie. I think it was like seven minutes into this movie. I, I was tearing up. Um, and a lot of it was on Octavia Spencer. Uh, there's a, a very sweet musical number where she's trying to get her grandson um, out of his funk that broke me a little bit um, in like the best way possible where I was just like, Oh my God. Um, and she, she's terrific. Uh, Hathaway is big. I don't know if it's in a good way. Um, she seems to be having fun though. So that's cool. You know, let her flex her, uh, her muscles a little bit in a direction. She doesn't always get to do zany. So cool. Um, Tucci is not used enough in my opinion. And they kind of like, stifle him for a, a Tucci performance like he, he gets moments where it looks like he's going to get to do the Tucci thing and then it feels like they really like shut him down and he just has to be like kind of still and kind of too poised um and that's disappointing because I always enjoy Stanley Tucci and uh but I, I thought the kid actors were fine I don't think they do anything wrong I don't think uh again I guess there's only technically two of, the, of them are kid actors Chenoweth isn't bad um, it doesn't really fit, and I don't understand the the idea behind the casting there. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but yeah, it, it wasn't a bad movie. Um, it's weird, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not um like I think the one Raw Doll book that I'm super familiar with, and I still have never read the book, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I am a fan of both Willy Wonka. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory films. Um, I am one of the rare who I can't I can't deny the Tim Burtonness and the Johnny Depp weirdness of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I just enjoy it, but uh, I, I'm not like I don't think I've seen all of the Raw Doll um, adaptations. Uh, I, I he did James and the Giant Peach, right? Yes, he did. Yep, I've, I've never seen that. Um, I was in the theater to see BFG when I found out my house had been broken into and I had to leave. Probably best um, to leave. Probably I've, I've not, have not been desiring to go back to that for multiple reasons. Um, I actually have never seen Matilda. Okay. I've seen oh, that. And I, I love fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I don't know how much of that is Anderson and how much of that is Raw Dahl. You know what I'm saying? Because it's definitely got Anderson's aesthetic. It's certainly um, a good match, though. See, that's interesting. I'm not familiar enough with Raw Dahl outside of the movies. Again, having never read the books or anything. So, um, so I like I have I have no real frame of reference uh, overall. I, I guess um, like I'm not a, I'm not a fan of his books. I like several of the movies, but I also have not seen several of the films. Um, so, you know, I, uh, but I didn't dislike witches. Um, I am very familiar with Zemeckis. I've seen every Zemeckis film except for Beowulf and, uh, Flight are the only two I've not seen. Um, and for the most part, I like a a lot of his, I mean, Back to the Future is one of my favorite trilogies ever. And I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, and I like pretty much everything, uh, up until... I guess up until Beowulf, really. Um, I, I I have to rewatch Contact. Um, I don't remember Contact. I I remember not liking it when I saw mm-hmm. it, but I think I was, I think I was. Uh, again, that it's ninety seven. I can't imagine why I wouldn't have liked it. I, there was something about it. I think I was not happy with the twist, if yeah, I remember okay. correctly. Um, and then I saw What Lies Beneath, but I I, de- I definitely didn't realize that was a Zemeckis film, and I really want to rewatch that because I believe uh, that is supposed to be his Hitchcock movie. I quite enjoyed uh, that film, and I, I it's a, it's not a guilty pleasure because I think it's a solid film, but I, I do watch it out of the the Zemeckis films. I put that one's on a fairly decent rotation. Interesting. I I, I put the Back to the Future movies on it. Of course, yes, they they uh, more so. Um, but I, and I, I liked, I didn't dislike the walk, although, you know, JGL's French accent's not the best, but, uh, <laughs> it's also not the worst. Um, so, you know, I'm a fan of Zemeckis. I don't know that he is, it, I wouldn't put him really in an auteur list though. Um, like he has stuff that comes through his movies that are consistent, but I don't know that I think of him like on the same level that I would think of Spielberg even who I, both of them make, I would say more populous movies, um, but I think Spielberg's voice is more pronounced and uh, than Zemeckis's. Um, but I, I would, I generally like what he puts out until again, the last couple for me haven't been great. Um, and the witches is uh, in that, that realm. It's, there's some good stuff in it. Um, I, th- I think if your kids are not easily scared, they might enjoy it. If they are easily scared, do not show them this movie. It is, I would think it'd be mm-hmm. horrifying. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, the, the one, the one thing I don't, I don't want to be spoiler ish. And I don't think this is, it's not a plot spoiler, but it is maybe like a creep out spoiler, but mm-hmm. her and Hathaway's witch's feet yep, yep. are different than the other witch's feet because we see them take off their shoes. Mm-hmm. And from what I could see, none of them had toes at all. Yes, that's right. Well, she is the grand high witch. Don't forget. So they get a toe. Is that the is that the, the designation? Like, I imagine so. That the, your toes define your rank. <laughs> but man, it is uh, it is creepy. I I did not enjoy that choice, um, of having her have one giant, hooked, nasty looking toe. Uh, yeah, and a talent at that. Um, very raptor esque in that way. Yeah, unsettling. Um. But yeah, uh, that was my take. What did you think, Matt? Um, well, I can confirm firstly that Beowulf is just a big pile of meh, 
It's, uh, don't rush out to watch it by all means. Ray Winston with a CGI face is just... Oh, it's not worth it. Um, the Witches, I have seen the 1991. I remember seeing it as a kid and Angelica Houston and all of the other um, assembled cast as witches with their prosthetics on were terrifying as a kid. As a kid, it really was kind of like... Uh, I don't want to watch that film because it's got the people with the horrible faces and the big noses and the melted like Freddy Krueger esque skin. Yeah. Um, so to come to the witches and you get more of a um, a CGI look to it, that was the first problem I thought I was going to have with the film. And like you said, some of the effects are good, others aren't. The animals I wasn't, I didn't think they looked great. I think the animals stood out like a sore thumb. Some of the animation on the witches was fine. It's, it's a lot. It's like a lot of the mouth work didn't really work for me because you can see, and I get, and I when you watch the film, you'll easily better see. Well, hold on, that's not their real mouse. That isn't the issue. It's just the way that they are animated, and sometimes some of the the dialogue wasn't syncing up correctly, and and it wasn't a connection issue either because I went back to check. Um, so that wasn't great, but overall, I thought the film was the same. Really, it's okay. It's not great. It's it's okay. Um, it's yeah, Anne Hathaway's having a blast with that Russian accent, whatever she's got. Jeez, but come on, she's just come off of Serenity. She's just come off the hustle. Let her spread her wings and put on a silly accent and go big or go home because those last two films could have ended her career. Um, look, she's having a great time. I didn't mind Anne Hathaway in the role. She is big, but if you're playing the Grand High Witch, yeah, especially, and you're following in the Angelica Houston's foot. Foot, uh, feet, feet, boots, that's the word, boots, then you've got to do something a bit different. You have to go a different direction, and she did. Um, Octavia Spencer, like you said, is wonderful. She always brings such a wonderful, uh, grounded approach to most, to pretty much all of her roles. And what you said about the opening kind of 10 minutes is spot on. It, it, that could have been a bit cornball, could have been a bit cheesy. But Octavia Spencer brings it down to a real kind of human level, like an emotive level. And the musical number was great. I love the song anyway. I love it's a bit of me, that is. But it fit as well. It wasn't just a hokey in, uh, insert. It fit. When you listen to the words and what she's singing, it fits perfectly to the situation that is happening in uh, there and then. But um, I thought it was a bit disappointing, though, it, it all being said, because Robert Zemeckis, you're right, there's the last few have been patchy at best and he hasn't really hit the heights for a while for me but you look at what this film is or what it's striving to be and you look at this is the guy who did who framed roger rabbit and gave us such a fun aesthetic there with family friendly at the same time still creepy um film this should have been similar to that but it but the tones were wrong like you said this is too scary for kids most kids mm-hmm. i think yeah the kids in my house one. Ten ones four. They ain't gonna watch this. Even a ten year old would be scared of this. A four year old, Jesus Christ, will have nightmares forever. Maybe that's what he wanted. But then on the other side, you've got this kind of like light and airy and breezy family comedy almost, which does kind of jar. And the first and the Nicholas Rogue film manages to blend those tones very well. Actually, again, that's not a perfect film. It's not a masterpiece, but it blends the tones a lot better. So. Uh, yeah, this it never really gets going. It never fires in all cylinders. It's got some good moments in it. There are some good moments. There were a few gags which I did have a little giggle at. But I thought visually it was all a bit 
bit vanilla. I didn't think it was that much, that special to look at. Where, where the films take place, the location. I mean, it's everything just seemed not muted in terms of the color palette, but it didn't seem exciting. I wasn't like watching this thinking, wow, look at where they are. or This is catching my eye or there's a flair to this. It just seemed very, very vanilla, just very kind of let's buy numbers for me. And that didn't help with the immersion either. So um, I thought the narration wasn't great. The narration did actually bug me. The voice, nothing against the person who does the voice, but the voice didn't work for me. Um, like you said as well about the actress whose name I can't remember, you're going to tell me now. The other, Chris m- yep, didn't work for me at all. I think I just you could just tell that there was something wrong, and it was it. And even Codily Eastick, who plays Bruno, the English boy, even then I was like, "Good God, I hope you get stamped on." As just be- because they play up to the role dullness of it, like they're very English and really very posh. But then you've got. But then set in 67 Alabama, it's really odd how they kind of merge Roald Dahl and 60s America, and it doesn't quite work because the original was set in Bournemouth, which is a south coast city in the United Kingdom in the 80s. Nothing says you can't change, change uh, take take liberties of the story, but there's a lot of things that kind of try, try to mash in which don't work for me. Um, and do you know what? Some of the film felt a bit like the new It films for me, the Stephen King and the Muschietti films. Kids in Peril, Strange... Um, how do I put this without giving any... Strange entities with like extra joints in their jaw who can do strange body contortions. And I was like, do you know what? This looks a bit like It, and it feels a bit like It in a certain sense, where it's almost like toned-down horror. Um, PG-13 horror almost, but... Um, I don't know. I thought it was okay. I was disappointed by it. I love Anne Hathaway. If you're listening, marry me. But I wasn't the biggest fan of this film. I really, really did want to like this film because I like the original. Uh, I remember seeing it as a kid and I kind of hold that that fondness for it. And I really wanted to like this film because of those who are involved. Anne Hathaway. I like Stanley Tucci. I agree. To be, You probably could have just taken him out and plopped anyone in that role because they didn't utilise the Tucci-isms enough. Octavia Spencer is great, uh, and some of the other people in it as well. Having them in there, I was like, do you know what? I really want this to work. Zemeckis, I wanted to have a hit on your hands, but yeah. it just, it just didn't. It's not a bad film by any means. It's not a bad film at all. And have watching it f- four days before Halloween, great. Do you know it kind of worked in that sense. I don't know how well it has worked watching it on like a a hot a hot July afternoon, but. It, it tonally it worked in terms of the season I watched it in, but that's really about it. It's not the worst film of the year. It's not the best film of the year. It's just stuck in the middle for me. Everything in this film was stuck in the middle, and I'm disappointed by it. But if you're going to ask me to recommend it, you yeah, go check it out because it's it's there are fun moments. There is a fun element to the film, which I think adults and kids will enjoy. But like we've both said, if you do have a kid or no kids who are going to watch it. And they do have a nervous disposition. They may be a little bit scared. There's no gore or anything stupid like that, but you know there are some scenes which they may find uh, distressing. Yeah, and there's you actually reminded me of. Um, I did. I did not like a lot of the scenes where um, the witch was trying to reach for uh-huh. one of the yeah, kids, exactly. and they just stood in one spot, and their arms just like like go go gadget arms or whatever it was just like it looked bad and it was kind of dumb i actually had forgotten about it until you said something just now about the mm-hmm. cg or or something and i'm like oh 
Yeah, I hated that part. I, I forgot about that. that just, yeah, there's there's some stuff like that where it's just like, ugh, I guess. It's like, just because you can do stuff with CG doesn't mean you should do stuff with CG. Yeah, it just, like, it, that's where it also felt different because it got, uh, sometimes sometimes the film's a little bit whimsy and it's a little, and like I say, it's a, it's a family-friendly kind of, like, adventure, like, um, without any kind of real stakes. And then they just chuck stuff like that in. It's like, well, hold on. Just now, this was happening with, like, with um with knitting stuff and wool, and now this is happening. It's like Jesus, where did this come from? Um, yeah, it's a lot of things which don't quite work. What did work though was Grandma well, Octavia Spencer. She has breakfast during this film. Good God, that looked incredible. I was all over that breakfast, just watching it, thinking I would destroy that right now. But Octavia Spencer is the best part of this film. Anne Hathaway will make the film or break the film for you. If you don't like her in this film, you're not going to like the film. Because she she is bigger than every scene she's in, and I think when she, but when she is on screen, it's a kind of like a dichotomy. Because when she's on screen, you get some of those janky effects and odd sort of like tonal inconsistencies. But they are the most interesting scenes for me because it all goes a bit bonkers, and everything else is a little bit too um, twee for me. But I, know, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, not did not hate it. Uh, but didn't, didn't like. I don't know. It's kind of forgettable in a in a way too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just like I guess. Uh, I watched the movie. I I mean, um, I like the. I, I would say I like the overall message. The film is kind of, well, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's a weird story, right? Like even for Raul Dahl, it's not it. Well, again, I only having the the movies as a frame of reference and not all of them, but it ends. Mm-hmm in a way that I didn't expect, I guess is what I should say. And I guess I should have expected, but um, because of the narration that you mentioned. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see where you're going now. But, yeah, no, I agree. But uh, you know, it's fine. It's, it's again, it's, it's whatever. Um, you know, what? the best compliment I can pay for this film is it is other than October Spencer. It is a streaming movie. This is, this, this works best as a streaming movie, I think. And I don't know if it's these kind of COVID times have opened my eyes to, you know, now that films are being put onto VOD services, would they work better? You know, would this film be any better received theatrically? How well would it do? This film kind of looks like it belongs on a VOD service rather than theatrically released. Yeah, I guess it worked out in that way that we didn't have to shell out any money, well, any additional money to see this streaming service. Um, But there it is. uh, The witches on HBO max. That's our review. Um, Again, like like the uh, the meta scores and the the critics, I think we're we're all kind of falling into um, it's it's middling. It's it's not bad. It's not great. There's stuff there. Um, be mindful again of your if you're going to watch it with your family, uh, their level of tolerance of creepy and weird because it will it will get weird. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we like to look at the chuffed headlines for the week. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, why don't you start us off? What headline grabbed you this week? Um, there was a few this week. Nothing that nothing that really jumped out was absolutely wild. Uh, other than, look, we're living in a Mandalorian world almost. Only a few more days till we're getting Mando and Baby Yoda back. But before that, it was the news that hasn't been confirmed. But by the sounds of it, it may well have been. Deadliner reporting that Oscar Isaac, he's in negotiations to star as Moon Knight. Uh, in the new in the upcoming Disney Plus 
um, series. He's obviously as Mark Spector, uh, who is a mercenary with numerous alter egos who later becomes a conduit for the Egyptian god Khonsu. There you go. Uh, so it's reported Marvel haven't put anything out about this. Uh, there's no production date. Uh, Jeremy Slater is writing this. He did the Umbrella Academy on TV and the Exorcist, the criminally underrated Exorcist TV series. So it's got a writer. May also have its star in Oscar Isaac, who who's also been recently in Star Wars. He's going to be in Dune, potentially the MCU now. We'll just ignore uh, X-Men Apocalypse, if we oh, wouldn't yeah. mind. But uh, Oscar Oliver Jackson-Cohen was tipped for the role. He was the dude from The Invisible Man. He was also up for this, but it seems according to Deadline, that Marvel and Disney are pursuing Oscar Isaac, considering his comments on Disney after the rise of Skywalker. This does surprise me a little bit because he wasn't overly flattering of how things were handled there, but obviously there are no hard feelings whatsoever. Now, I'm not overly... um, I don't know an awful lot about the character of Moon Knight, so I'm I'm interested in this because I like Oscar Isaac. I think Moon Knight sounds cool. I like what I've heard about Moon Knight. So this caught my eye also because, you know, Star Wars, Dune and the MCU, Oscar Isaac's collecting those um, Infinity Stones himself. And obviously we had the news recently that Tatiana Maslany was, again, reportedly cast as She-Hulk, which is a wonderful casting. And Iron Man Villainy is going to be Miss Marvel. She's a newcomer. So we're getting these new people coming into the MCU. There is a diverse, um, there's a diverse background for all of them there, which is always great to see as well. And certainly Maslany and Oscar Isaac, because I don't know much about Valani, those two are going to elevate anything there in any way. So if this is true, it's exciting and may or may not get more eyes on Moon Knight, which is a project which I, I, you know, I know a lot of things about pop culture but I don't know much about Moon Knight. So maybe having Oscar Isaac on board will turn more people like me onto the idea of checking it out. So uh, you saw this, JP. What, what do you think about this? Well, I, I again, same as you with uh, being a fan of Isaacs and kind of forgetting that he's done all of those franchises until you, like, I knew obviously Star Wars yep. um, definitely have forgotten about X-Men. Um, <laughs> uh, and to. then. Um, well, you got Dune coming another- up. Ah, yes, uh, which very different type of franchise, but definitely has the Big potential one, to yeah. be more franchise. But definitely are you know with Venu behind it, it's very artistic and uh, curious to see um, how he handles that. Obviously, we have to wait a year now, but mm-hmm. um, at least a year. But uh, I also don't know a lot about Moon Knight, other than he was Marvel's kind of like mocking of Batman. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding? Even I think like Dark Knight, Moon Knight, there is a correlation there. Yes, good job. Um, he wears all white instead of all black and uh um i've seen him in a couple of things i've never read a book specifically for moon knight but i know he was i think he was on one episode of like a one of the recent spider-man cartoons if i remember correctly um which i only kind of watched like i saw a reference to and i think i've seen like a few panels in some memes of comics so i don't know how accurate they were to the original comic versus like if someone altered them for the joke kind of thing um but I, I get I could I got the vibe from those recent things that uh Moon Knight has a bit of a smart mouth, like similar to not quite as extreme as Deadpool, but in the same like he he runs his mouth and that, that's based again on very little. But if that's correct, I think what we've seen Isaac do as with Poe Dameron, especially in um Last Jedi, 
would fit really well with that, you know, being tough, but also making jokes while being tough. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be in for that. Um, because I, again, I like Oscar Isaac a whole lot and I think that would be, uh, kind of fun. Yep. So there's that. And just, just from doing a quick bit of research, it seems like the character of Moon Knight has got a bit about him as well. Apparently he's a Jewish, um, American superhero who isn't afraid to get his hands bloody. uh, Unlike Batman who has his one rule. Uh, no, uh, Moon Knight will stab a man through the head with a clock hand if needs be. Oh, uh, so there we go. There's that side as well, which I think Oscar Isaac could tap into as well. But uh, yeah, that was my uh, chuffed headline for the week. Uh, what about yourself, man? Well, so I found uh, very. We have not done a listicle um, article for this uh, up until now, which is where it's the listicle is a term I've just recently realized was a term but it is an article that is essentially just a list of things mm-hmm. um, and popularized by BuzzFeed. And this happens to be a BuzzFeed article, but um, this caught my attention. Uh, I am a, I, I feel like there is a bad rap of people claiming that the book is better than the movie. Yeah. Usually based on bad movies mm-hmm. from or books, reading right? the book first or reading the book at all. Right. It's because if you never read the book, the movie's always better. But the reality is, there's a lot of movies that are based on books that people don't care about as a book. Like when you have an adaptation of a popular, like young adult book, for example, like divergent, there's a built in audience there that's so rabid for the books that they're going to nitpick every single change. Right. But there's a plethora of movies that are based on novels and books that aren't like super mainstream, but maybe have a few fans or they've been around for a long time. And people don't have that connection to Scorsese. A lot of his films are based on books. Mm -hmm. They're just not based on current bestsellers, which is the difference. Um, So this headline caught my eyes, the 24 best movies based on books that you can watch on HBO Max, which was the kind of the the selling point. Because I'm like, well, we're watching HBO Max, quote unquote, original this week. Why not see what's on HBO Max outside of it? So Mm -hmm. here are 24 books. Uh, I'm just going to read through them real fast. Uh, Let's see if you've seen these. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that a long time ago. I think I would appreciate it more now. Uh, Just Mercy, the recent Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx collaboration. Um, Lord of the Rings. That's a book. I know everyone. That's a a brick. Um, Bridge to Terabithia, which that movie has one of the saddest scenes in cinema. That that film would have... um punked a lot of people who went to see it in the cinema expecting something and got another thing now so i have not fact checked buzzfeed mind you but friday night lights apparently was a book first okay uh so that movie the billy bob thornton movie is on hbo right now how stella got her groove back mm-hmm. um way erased which i saw a couple a couple years ago uh that's i i miss the miseducation of camera post is a better film that came out the same year but you know it's mm-hmm. it's not bad mm-hmm. um Russell Crowe as a schlubby fat guy is definitely in his wheelhouse. Uh, Dangerous Liaisons from 1988. Uh, Where the Wild Things Are from 2009, which I've heard is good. I've not seen it, but it's Spike Jones, so I probably should watch that. Um, the Descendants with George Clooney. Really like that movie. Um, Ella Enchanted, another Anne Hathaway film. Yeah. Uh, the Color Purple, Steven Spielberg, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Danny Glover. Just saw that in theaters not too long ago. Jojo Rabbit, number 13. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it's inspired by the novel Caging Skies. And I wonder how I many people knew that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, big fan of the movie, though. Yeah. Uh, the, the Art of Racing in the Rain, if you want to hear a, a young pup that sounds like Kevin Costner, who's been smoking far too much. Um, that's a movie. 
uh, the English Patient, The Outsiders, uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which mm. I don't know if I can ever bring myself to watch that movie, Brilliant. knowing what it is. Excellent film, but Jesus. Yeah, that's. Ex- I've heard great things. I just don't know if I can put myself through that emotionally. Uh, Revolutionary Road, the DiCaprio and uh, Kate Winslet, you know, alternate Titanic. Um, the Diving Bell and the Butterfly. That looks like a tough movie to watch. Cider House Rules. The Maltese Falcon. That is one that I need to check off my mm-hmm. list. I've never seen you it. It's, um, it's sitting on my shelf in front of me. Um, Dr. Sleep, which I loved very much. Mm-hmm. Um, a Room with a View. And last but not least, A Wizard of Oz. A few on there I've heard of, maybe. Um, yeah, there's a few on there I knew were based on books. Obviously, Lord of the Rings. You mentioned Dr. Sleep. I read the book. Uh, Wizard of Oz, oh. but some of the other ones I didn't realize that um, Jojo Rabbit was um, based on a book. I didn't realize that. Uh, where was the other one? I've just got the list up now. Well, let put it frankly, at least half of those I had no idea were based on books. I just assumed they were just straight for the screen. And that's kind of my point because, again, yes, if you are an avid fan of a book, you're going to nitpick and and you know criticize every change that the filmmakers make um and in some cases i have done that for sure i i will stand stand strong that percy jackson and the olympians is a really great book series but the movies are garbage and they change so much um but you know uh it doesn't mean it's because of the book element though and that's the thing i think there's some really good book adaptations and even if the, the movies where the book and the movie are completely different i think they can both be good I don't think one has to be the same in order for it to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So yeah, uh, I thought it was an interesting list. It caught my attention. They're just with uh, theatrical releases being cut and a lot of productions still on hold. There's not a lot of news for movies right now. Not really. I mean, TV and streaming is getting a lot of news and obviously video games are getting a lot of news as well. But in terms of film, there isn't other than this has been pushed back or production has been halted on this. Or, um, you know, we may be getting uh, production on this film starting, but it's all a lot of hearsay. I mean, even Oscar Isaac in talks is hearsay. It's deadline of going with it, but it's not confirmed yet. So there is a way, other than let's talk about the cinemas being closed again. But I mean, how, even that, how, how many more times can you beat that horse? But even that, it's just the well, same love news. love to beat a horse, but... Yeah. <laughs> the same news uh, over and over again, too. It's just, you know, oh, they are... Yeah. Uh, they are renting out theaters. Like, yeah, but that's been an article. Like that was literally, I saw an article like, Hey, you can rent a theater. I'm like, yeah, but that's like the sixth time I've this seen is, this article yeah. in like a week. I saw this the other day. I had it um, in my inbox, rent, uh, rent a theater screen for 60 pounds, which is what? 70 bucks um, for you and your friends. It's like, I know I've seen this enough. I've, I've, JB's told me all about this weeks ago. Get with the program. Um, what well, it did get my, what my brain going was um, a listicle. I don't think we've ever done a list episode of the BAM as like a special standard, a standard, have we? I no, we have not. Yeah, I mean, based on anything, I mean, that's an interest. Maybe in the future we'll get a couple of list episodes that are either the ten best this or the ten I mean, worst that's, list. That's how we met, Matt, was when I was doing the top five movie podcast, and I had you come on and do your top five movies. Um, yes, we did, and look where look where we are now. Three years later, give or take two years later, with the BAM, three and a half years later, we're still going strong, man. Exactly. So, you know, list uh, list would fit if we did a, a special episode or something. I'm always down to make some lists. Um, yeah, man. And I've seen a, quite a bit of movies. That was the hard part after two years of doing the top five was like, okay, now what topics do we keep doing? Or like, how do we, like, 
if it's really your top five movies, a lot of times you're going to want to repeat similar movies for like different reasons. But like, uh, yeah. you know, best comedy and best, you know, sci-fi movie might be back to the future in both of those, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it got, it got to being like, Oh, but if we're doing them just randomly, then I like, yeah, man. we could do something like we could do that. Our top 10, uh, book adaptations. We, we can pick five each. Who knows? Look, we're spitballing live on air here, guys. Could be our top 10 site. Who knows? But, um, like a little spin, like we do with the Bampocalypse, little spin off episodes, but, um, all in the pipeline, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so with that in mind, uh, we, we can do those lists because Matt and I like to consume a lot of media and this is media consumption, uh, movies, TV, video games, podcasts, not our own. And, uh, and other things we use to pass the time. We like to kind of see what, what else we've been doing, uh, between our episode watches. So Matt, what have you been consuming? Um, not a huge amount in the last seven days. Um, a mixed bag. I can put it like that. I've watched Street Fighter, the 95 film with um, Ra- Raul Julia and oh, God, what's the guy's name? Van Damme. Um, is it Van Damme? It's been, yeah. It is Van Damme. It's just with his blonde hair put me off. And Kylie Minogue. And Mortal Kombat. Uh, for an episode of MPM coming up next this week, like Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat, talking about the film, the first films, not the games. That was like hell to go back and watch those films. Um, Street Fighter is more fun than Mortal Kombat. Street, Mortal, I, I Kombat still is like Mortal Kombat. I didn't. Like, I, I took it as a lot. It, it's fun in the sense that like it, it tries very hard, but mm, with Street Fighter, how they can get away of calling that film street fighter when it has snaff all to do with the games other than the characters in it have the same names you know what i mean it's, they could have called it anything they could have called it fighting in the streets for all i care and it would have probably it wouldn't have been made any better but um i went back and watched can you ever forgive me melissa mccarthy richard e grant has become a comfort film for me it's on um sky cinema and if i'm ever sort of sitting here in the evening flicking through and it comes up i'm thinking yeah do you know what I look forward to watching Lee Cobb for a couple of hours and Richard E. Grant's character. The two of them work so well together. I love those two together. And Carrie, the uh, 70s horror flick, went back to re- the Palmer film, went back to watch Carrie. Because I haven't seen that film in like a ridiculously long time, like over 10 years. So I um, put that on. And I still enjoy that film an awful lot. I still think Carrie's a great um, horror film. It also got me thinking about... How many books has Stephen King written? <laughs> that have first been adapted to films that we all heard of. But that man's got a most ridiculous output. But Carrie, I enjoyed that. So Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Can You Ever Forgive Me and Carrie. Uh, three, well, what is one of those tie into the season? And I've been listening to listening to some, well, listening to an, an audio book. Oscar Isaac came up earlier on. But I listened to the Star Wars audio book, Poe Dameron, Freefall very dramatic title but it's uh it's a canon novel they're all canon set before well before the events of the sequel trilogy when poe dameron was a spice runner uh, as we found that he was in the rise of skywalker which tried to start almost contradicted everything that canon had set up about him nice one jj so i've been i listened to that i bashed that one out quite quickly and it's a good fun read i love all the canon books for the most part anyway and um dropped on the doorstep this morning was a little book called From a Certain Point of View Strikes Back. If you know Star Wars can, you know that three years ago, I think two, three years ago, 
Delray, who published a book, so they dropped a anthology series called From a Certain Point of View, which is based on Obi-Wan Kenobi's famous line, From a Certain Point of View, um, from the OT. And it was 40 stories set during the two the two hour runtime of A New Hope from the perspective of background characters or characters that are in the scenes which we see, but it's what they're seeing and what they're feeling or what they're going through. So like in the cantina, there's a few stories of some of the characters that we see and what they're going through. Like, you know, a couple of them are being hunted by um, Jabba's gang or some of them are desperately trying to get off world and they're trying to find any way they can make a bit of money. And in the background, you know, Obi-Wan slicing off uh, Ponda Barbara's arm. Or they'll be like, oh, this weird, this shaggy-haired farm boy has walked in. And you know it's a time when Luke's walked into the camp. You know where I'm going with that. But So there's 40, which is from the start of the film to the very end, from like Imperials, Rebels, background characters, droids, the um, the Death Star trash compactor monster even gets a story. But So they did one for The Empire Strikes Back. So there's 40 anthology short stories based on characters who are in The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, again, not the main characters, but secondary and tertiary characters. And they dropped on the doorstep this morning from Daryl Ray for Star Wars Sessions to read and to review ahead of time. I haven't read it yet. I have held it. I've cherished it. I may have even kissed it because I've been looking forward to this book for about a year and a half now. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading that. So hopefully next week I'll be able to say at least whether it's any good or not. But I'm very, very excited. So um, before I've got to ask you, JB. Uh, have you read any of the new Star Wars books at all, or any? I I have read a few Star Wars books, but all pre Disney purchasing. Um, I I love the Darth Bane trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think I would love to have an adaptation of, and I wish they would make canon again. Um, because I love Darth Bane. Darth Bane is canon, so they could do. Oh, oh, very good. I did not know that. Um, I really, really enjoyed that character. Um, I read uh the Shadows of the Empire. Um, because of the the N sixty four game kind of that was like the first awareness of the extended universe um for me as a kid like i i I knew that there were books but i didn't really i I didn't understand how the books worked like as far as like building out the universe at the time Mm -hmm. um and then i've i've read at least a couple of other ones but all older i've not read any of the new stuff Uh, but that's not a criticism to the books as much as it is um i realized today I think what broke me with reading was uh, when the new 52 in the DC universe happened, I was reading every single book that was out, like either buying, I bought way too many, but I was also downloading Mm -hmm. and and reading them that way. And I think I just read too much where I think I've hit my maximum word count for my life. (laughs) But you can lose some luster for it, can't you as well? And same with, man, I just can't, uh, I can't, like focus when i try to read books right now it's just like i have to reread the paragraph like 20 times dc marvel star wars there's a massive output and even star wars yes there's a huge canon output if it's not the comics it's the books or it's the short stories or it's the magazines you've never heard of or it's the video games or obviously television or promotional stuff which is always coming out or the comics which um overlap with each other so you've got to go and buy three comic books in a week and but anyone who listens to the sessions knows that I dig the extended universe, the canon expanded universe, um, be, and almost as much, if not more, than the films most of the time. Jedi Fallen Order, for me, was the best story of last year, more so than The Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so check, check, out, check them out if you can do, guys. And if you do, 
hit me up. I'd love to know what you thought. But enough of me rambling on. John's always got a great selection from the last week, so I want to hear. John, so, what have you been indulging in, man? Uh, you know, I, I always listen to the Blank Check podcast. Um, if I am a patron of that podcast, so uh, I actually didn't type this, but um, their patron episode, they're currently doing the uh, Alien movies, but not AVP. Um, they're doing they do commentary on the Patreon episodes, and so um, they just dropped the Aliens episode this past Thursday, and really liked listening to that. I, I have I've actually I think I've seen Aliens far less than I've seen Alien. Like Aliens, my favorite. I love Ridley Scott's Aliens so much, um, and I I do like Aliens despite my a long time kind of anti Cameron stance. Um, I've I've come around where I, I'm more accepting of Cameron's movies. I still think Avatar is way overrated, but um, so that was the the Patreon episode. But for their regular episode, uh, it was the Zemeckis film because they're doing the Zemeckis was Death Becomes Her, which I have not seen since I was a kid. But I watched a lot because it was on HBO when I was a, it was a kid, and I was a big Bruce Willis fan. You may know this because I love Hudson Hawk. Um, <laughs> this is always one. I didn't realize that he was involved in the uh, the story of Hudson Hawk. Apparently, like writing the story, not the screenplay credit. But um, I, I like Bruce Willis's uh, comedy and his persona back then, especially. I currently do not like his persona. Um, but uh, I didn't realize Meryl Streep was in it when I was a kid. Like you know, what I mean, like that was probably my yeah, first Meryl Streep. Right, that was probably my first Meryl Streep movie, and it, I wasn't aware of that until like a few years ago. I was like, wait, she's in that movie? Because I watched that again a lot when i was a kid i thought it was really funny and dark and um i want to rewatch it it's actually also on hbo max weird connections on this uh podcast today um and i i had i was going to try to watch it before this episode but i watched other things instead but those episodes are great uh if you're a movie nerd and especially if you like filmographies um from directors i really can't recommend blank check enough um then i got into uh i, I mentioned a few weeks ago i started playing D and which i had a game the other night with my friends, but um, another friend uh, who has also started playing D and D with her group um, has recommended that I listen to the Adventure Zone podcast, um, which uh, I went all the way back to 2014, uh, not time travel, but in terms of their podcast, <laughs> and uh, listened to their first. Uh, I think I've, I'm through eight episodes of their show. Um, it is a lot of fun. It, if you have ever wanted to play D and D but haven't really like, you're not comfortable with the interactions. I think it's a really helpful podcast because they aren't experts, but they're also kind of learning the game while they're playing. So you get some of that side of it. And then the DM definitely has played it more. And so he's much more familiar with it, but it's also fun. So you can like learn while you're laughing and, and listening to them create the story. There's some things about it. I don't love, uh, but overall it's a fun podcast. Um, so I listen to that. Finally, I finished the boys season two. Um, right. I had watched the first three episodes when they dropped the first three episodes, but they didn't do the Netflix model. Amazon does. They do like three and then they one, one, one until they run out kind of thing. Uh, there was eight episodes. So after I watched the first three, I took the next couple of weeks off, finally decided to go back to it and fin- and watch the last five um, and was super easy to do. Uh, they're very, very watchable. Um, it's a very violent show. Uh, there's a little bit of nudity. Um, definitely some sexuality, but it is, uh, it's very interesting. I found it, um, I like Carl Urban a whole lot and I think he's great in the, uh, so I don't know. I, I definitely recommend it, but apprehensively in that it is, again, it's not going to sit well with everybody. And this season I do think takes some political 
jabs at the things that are going on, um, which could rub some people the wrong way. But uh, I I think they're trying to, and I think they're successful in that way. Um, For Movie Club, we watched The Wicker Man uh, from 1973, not the Nicolas Cage uh, remake. (laughs) And uh, that's my second time seeing it. And I liked it um, the first time. I think I liked it a little more this time. And for me, what really was shocking was uh, when I watched it this time, I've I've probably watched Hot Fuzz several times since I saw The Wicker Man the first time. Um, and I'd never made the connection between those two movies. And uh, this time I'm watching, I actually didn't even make it while I was watching The Wicker Man. I was talking with Corey and I'm like, hey, you know what? I think Hot Fuzz is actually make, making a lot of references to this movie. And I hadn't put that together. <laughs> And then I realized um, I'm looking at, uh, I think, his IMDb profile for the main character. And I'm like, this guy looks familiar. And then it clicks that he's the head of the NWO. Well, he's not the head of the NWO. He's the guy who's stationed in the police station in Hot Fuzz, who sits in the like the the control room. Um, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the guy from the Wicker Man. Ed Wright gave me the freaking Easter egg and I just overlooked it for who knows how many views. Um but uh, so, I never saw that. Easter. I knew that we like say so like we mentioned in in a message that Hot Fuzz itself is basically the story of the Wicker Man. But I never noticed the kind of the cameo Easter egg. Yeah, I mean, there's very little variation to it, but yeah, it's definitely the overall arching thing. The idea of this police officer kind of imposing his will on this this village who was very content mm-hmm. with not having the police officers act like this and. Um, the whole idea of like the, for the greater good, the cult mindset, uh, definitely all there. Um, but yeah, the Wicker Man, if you haven't seen it, it's a really good watch. Uh, Corey didn't love it. Um, but you know, she also just said it just didn't really click for her. And, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, for this week's episode of movie club, we are talking about Alfred Hitchcock's movie frenzy, uh, which I had never seen and honestly wasn't that aware of until recently. And, um, I, I am a big fan of Hitchcock, as I think most film people are. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, no hot take there. But I, I really like Frenzy. Um, it is definitely uh, 70s Hitchcock in that there's nudity in his film because he doesn't have the, the you know, the um, the board over him. It is a British film where he filmed almost all of it in England, um, which is something he hadn't done for like a good 20 years or something before Frenzy. Um and apparently, uh, I read I read some trivia stuff. Apparently, he was criticized for some of the dialogue uh, not feeling authentic, um, and some of the some of the characters do feel a little like British tropish, like almost like an American doing an impression of a British person no, kind of no. thing. Um, so I don't. I'm curious to hear your take on it, uh, Matt, because you would know better than I. Um, oh, I need to. Ch- I haven't seen it. I need to check it out, man. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And then the big watch for me um, that I've been wanting to watch for two weeks now is another HBO Max movie uh, uh, directed by Spike Lee, David Byrne's American Utopia. Um, I saw it stop making sense um, just over a year ago uh, because I was watching, um, I was listening to the Blank Check podcast and they did Jonathan Demme uh, last year. And so that's directed by Jonathan Demme. It's a uh, arguably the best concert film of all time, featuring the Talking Heads and David Byrne. And so, almost twenty years uh, on the dot of its original release, David Byrne's American Utopia drops on HBO, and um, this one directed by Spike Lee. And it is uh, David Byrne. I guess has a Broadway show. That's what this is a recording of. Mm-hmm. And the dude's a genius. Um, 
he just is. He's he's quirky. He's fun. Yet there is this um, seriousness to him that actually I think uh, you see he's mellowed a little bit with age. Um, he still has uh, like it's, it's politically charged. He has a message to his songs, but there is a um, air of lightness that I feel is kind of missing in the original concert. Like mm-hmm. he feels very serious and focused in in Stop Making Sense, and here he's still serious and focused. But he does a lot of like talking to the audience between the songs, and um, I don't know. There's just this kind of like relaxed vibe that I I got from him that I did not get uh, in the younger version of him, which I think kind of makes sense. You know, maybe he took himself too seriously. Yeah. I'm an artist kind of thing in the '80s, and now he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm an artist, but it's cool. You know, like that's kind of more the vibe. Um, I I really loved it. If you haven't seen either, uh, I I don't know if it still is, but Stop Making Sense was on Amazon Prime. And David Byrne's American Utopia is out now on HBO Max, um, and I assume just regular HBO as well. Um, I, I definitely recommend both. I think it's a, a really cool double feature. Uh, odd note, there are a few songs that are repeated uh, because they are his songs. So he does use the, a couple of the songs that are in Stop Making Sense. But it's a brand new performance, mind you, um, and new choreography. It's it's so good. Um, super weird, super awesome. Um, I was not very familiar with the talking heads music before I watched stop making sense. And then when I was watching, I was like, Oh, I've heard like so many of these songs. I just didn't realize they were talking head songs. Um, if I, if I remember correctly, you said you have not seen stop making sense. I have not seen it. No. And I haven't seen them. I'm aware of obviously I know the talking heads and I know David Byrne. Obviously I know Spike Lee, but no, yes. I haven't seen either of them, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I would stress to like make that a priority, especially because I know how big you are of a music fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would just totally get sucked into these movies because they, Jonathan Demi and the Talking Heads, is so amazing with stop making stop making sense because it starts with um this it looks like you're just in like a warehouse like a brick wall like concrete brick wall there's a stage kind of but like there's nothing on it right and David Byrne comes out with a boombox and a guitar and um hits play on the boombox and then he plays uh. Um, the psycho song that I always forget the name of, but it's super great. Um, but it's just him. It's just him on stage. And that you literally, as you watch the movie, the stage and the people on the stage change gradually until suddenly you're immersed with this crazy stage show. Like it is so amazing of a, of a, of a concert. Like just, just the concert alone would be amazing. But then when you add in the, um, the way Demi shoots everything. It's just, it's just outstanding. I, I really can't stress enough how amazing stop making sense is. Um, it's just an experience that everyone should have. I think uh, film lovers, but I also think just fans of music, um, not necessarily even fans of talking heads, just like fans of music. Cause I, I think there's just this sheer love of the art of music that comes across and stop making sense. That is just outstanding. Um, so yeah, really push that. And then lastly, and this is, quite possibly a huge mistake in in my world i don't know matt if you've ever been uh addicted to mmrpgs um massive online multimedia role-playing games i have never been addicted i've I've dabbled but i've never been addicted um but i know a lot of people are i don't know how addicted they can be i went through a small phase with world of warcraft many many years ago where i was very hardcore like my life was being scheduled around my virtual life like i have to be home to, to raid with my guild and, and stuff. Um, and I, I did, once I realized that I don't like 
losing control. And so once I realized that I was letting this game control me, I did, I broke away from it for a long time and I go back to it every couple of years and I'll play for like a month or two. And I play much more casually. I never get really into like the raids or stuff. I just, it's something about the, uh, I I compare it to the mouse clicking the food pellet button, um, in the maze, uh, something about leveling up. It just, you know, makes you feel good and it's, it's quick and easy and they've made it even easier to level up. Um, so there's a new expansion coming out today. I think officially, um, that prompted me that in my, my D and D group, uh, a couple of members play. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind hopping back on just to play for a little bit. Cause I don't have time to commit to big story games right now, but like this, I can hop into War- Warcraft. I can play for an hour, you know, get a level or two and then log off. No big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up, uh, st- jumping back into it this weekend. And uh, if, if you were interested, Matt, mm-hmm. I, I bought a game time card, right? It's two months of, of game time. It was a discounted price. Um, and it turns out that the card that I was sold is a UK region only card. <laughs> You've been done there. I've been done, and I, uh, I can't get a response through the website that like uh, brokers these deals. I can't get them to respond in order to try to get a refund. So if I don't get a refund and you're interested in playing WoW, I've got a card for you. Um, you could give it a go, uh, you know, like hop on for an hour. It would, it would certainly mean I could engage more in the conversation when you do talk about, I haven't even really played the old Republic, Star Wars, the old Republic in terms of those kind ah. of games. Even then that was a while ago and I almost prefer the cinematic trailers, but man, if, if it's, um, if you can't get a response in the next day or the next few days, next week or so, I'll have, I'll check it out, man. Yeah. It's, it's a fun game. Again, it's obviously, it's like saying Hitchcock is a good director. Um, so many people have played WoW. I know at one at one point they were to- touting like a seven million subscriptions or something like that. Um, it was a it's still a very very popular game. I mean, that game is at least twelve years old, if not more. Um, which has got to be the longest running MMO I think uh, in existence, unless EverQuest is still online, which I don't know if it is. But if it is, that might have beat it, um, but just barely. But yeah, it's a game I, I've come and gone with for several years, and it's still still going strong apparently with this new expansion. So sweet. But um, yeah, that's what uh, we've been consuming. So let's look at the last part of the episode because making a show like this requires effort on both of our parts, and it there's a certain standard that everyone expects from us. We have to be what the show says, otherwise we're just hypocrites. So you might be asking how. Matt and John, how are you staying bloody awesome? And we'll tell you, Matt, tell me, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome since our last episode? Well, other than eating my body mass in cookies, which I need to cut down on, um, gaming, we've just been talking about games, but actually gaming, not not like not like a hardcore session of new games, but um, we've mentioned it before about uh, putting a headset on and chatting to some buddies and playing some PlayStation I did that all weekend pretty much because I had the house to myself. Um, so in the in the afternoon, I watched a bit of soccer uh, and enjoyed that very much. I do like a bit of soccer. So um, and then in the evening, yes, uh, put the headset on, played some uh, Friday the Thirteenth because it's on PS now, uh, and I've really enjoyed playing that. Actually, never uh, don't mind the films, and I'm really digging the game, like survival game, playing some Battlefront. So Jedi Fallen Order, jumping on the new NHL game. Dude, I've just been, other whether it's with other people just sort of chatting or just immersing in the uh, escapism that games can provide, 
then just that basically is, you know, say it's firstly for me, I was like, well, how do I spend the first like night by myself in probably about three years? Uh, and also it's trying to do so. I, 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 we, we spend a lot of time watching film because that's what we love is watching other new films. I'll have the witches or going back to watch old films, like the ones we just mentioned in our in the last segment, or just you know, or just or just being immersed in films, to go reading about them, um, looking up about them, checking out Letterboxd, just getting involved with it. But I wanted to do something a little bit different, which is slightly out of the wheelhouse. I play games a lot more now, but I'm still not a gamer. So basically, gamer. I just thought let's just immerse myself in a world where I've got to not get killed by a brutal serial killer, uh, a world where I can be a Jedi. Um, or I can pretend to be Sidney Crosby for the Pittsburgh Penguins, number 87. So, and it's firstly, it makes the time go a lot quicker. But I don't know, there's something about, which I've always thought this as a kid, and I took time off gaming, and you you guys out there who play these games an awful lot don't need to be told, but there is something magic, isn't there? Something special about hooking yourself up and putting yourself in the shoes of whatever your protagonist is in your game, whether it's sport, action, uh, whatever. You, there's nothing better than you know like that satisfying kill or that 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 um top shelf goal or whatever it might be. So, gaming is what I've been doing. I've been uh, why I didn't watch as many films and why I didn't mention these in the consumption section because it was how I've been staying bloody awesome is by just get, sinking my teeth into some games, man. So uh, enjoying that one. But what about yourself? Because up top I mentioned something of yours and I know you're going to mention yes. it now. So um. I, I got to spend some time uh, with some friends um, playing D and D, and it was it's an interesting thing because um, we were off Friday. It was a teacher work day, so technically we weren't off. But most of us, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you've got everything turned in that you need to have turned in, you're kind of off, right? Yeah. And um, and because of the the pandemic, our our boss said, you know, it's a work day, but if you want to work from home, as long as you have everything done, you're good. So I was I was home all day. Um, I got to spend some time with, with, uh, a friend, but, um, our, our D and D group met up and our D and D campaign is continuing. And our, our DM is writing this elaborate, amazing story. It's all from scratch. It's not, uh, it's not a pre-made campaign. Um, and it's just, it's been a total blast and he, he knows like where we're at. Most of us, this is our first time playing. So he's trying to make it exciting, but also still have stakes where like you could die at any minute, just like you're supposed to have that that edge right that's the part of the the thrill of the game yeah um but one of my one of the fr- uh friends in the group uh we decided that we were actually having the game at uh one of their houses uh three of them live together like roommate scenario and then uh i guess technically four of them now um and then i was like the outsider coming in kind of thing but we decided to, to do dinner so we made uh tacos uh slash nachos which is one of my favorite foods um and and then uh one of the friends had seen a recipe for um, pumpkin maple cream whoopie pies. Jesus God. And it's been a running kind of thing where we've had something pumpkin at every, uh, every game because we've been playing in October. So like the first week we played, I brought pumpkin uh, donut holes that I found at our local grocery store. And one of the friends drove past Starbucks and brought us all coffees and all of us ordered pumpkin coffee. So that first week, tons of pumpkin. And then the second time, I feel like now the donuts might have been the second time. But either way, I think there was something pumpkin at the second game. And then this is the third time we've played. And this time we got homemade pumpkin whoopie pies that were made while we were playing. 
and they were outstanding. Um, too good, in fact, that I've been craving one every day since. I've not had one, thank goodness, uh, because I would probably not be able to resist. They were so good, um, especially right out of the like not right out of the oven but pretty much like within oh, you know 10 man. or 15 minutes out of the oven they were just so soft and the the cream was just perfect so outstanding i have no idea how bad they were there's no way they were okay Don't worry about that but man uh they were excellent and it definitely made the the D whole experience just just an awesome night you know the the mexican food and then the um the sweet treat to end the evening lots of fun D playing uh we have been playing every other week and then um this past week, because I think because we went so elaborate with like dinner and stuff that we got a late start. So we're playing again this week. So I don't know if she's going to make more pumpkin whoopie pies, but if you're listening, I would not be opposed <laughs> for that Friday night treat. So um, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome. I mean, I don't know if you guys over there in the States have heard of it. I believe it's your own um, thing, but there is a thing called FedEx and it uh, does yes. ship internationally. So in 24 hours overnight. So just say, you know, I, I have an address. <laughs> therefore, I have a place. I have a post box. And that's so if anyone wouldn't mind sending those through. No, man, I got a, a message from JB. I want to say I woke up to it, but I'm not sure if I did. Um, Sounds right. With just a plate of these uh, whoopie pies. And I was just like, God damn it. It's like you could, when you can feel your mouth just like dribbling. They look so good. Um, and this is a, just a picture sent via a messenger. Like this is this is like what I live for. And the idea of JB just absolutely devouring them. I felt happy for him, but also well, I felt I, blinded I, by rage. I was so grateful uh, that I had one before we left. And then she starts putting together more. And she's literally making them. Like she's putting the cream in them. And she builds me a plate of five to take home for my wife and my daughter. Um, that old yeah, chestnut. My wife had a couple. I had a couple. Uh, daughter didn't have any, but she doesn't often like dive into sweets. She does not have the sweet tooth like her mother and I both do. Um, so good for her. Uh, she does get the occasional sweet tooth, but um, she even said she's like, I probably would have just taken like a bite and then given it to you guys. I'm like, that's a waste. Like, what are you? What are you talking? You about? don't mind though. I uh, literally have the picture in front of me now, partly to confirm that I received it at. Uh, I received the message. Well, I certainly read it at eight thirty eight in the morning which is yeah. would have been uh, 3.38 in the morning Florida time. But good God. Yeah, but I, I think I sent it at about 11-ish. Um, my phone probably picked it up later, but it was I woke up to that on a Tuesday morning, but a Wednesday morning, Thursday, I don't know what it was, but uh, when it was, but that's, that, that's irrelevant. The fact is I got this message. Oh my God, just looking at them now is just unreal. Yeah, it, they, they were excellent. And so thank you to my friend for making uh, my week even more bloody awesome because of pumpkin whoopie pies. Um, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, that's how we're saying bloody awesome. And we're going to look towards next week. When we come back with our next episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast, we're going to be talking about the film, the wolf of snow hollow, not hollow hollow, uh, which is directed by Jim Cummings and stars Ricky Lindholm. And now sadly um, I'm going to freaking flub the name. I cannot pull the name off the top of my head he has recently passed away and he's an excellent actor help me out here matt um uh, that could be one of many i'm also just really quickly not googling yet. i'm just thinking off the top of my head now what was that guy's name oh god it must have been robert forster that's it that's the name that i could not pull for some <laughs> reason but robert forster um this is his last film uh before he passed away 
so it is a crime thriller, but it's supposed to be more than that. Jim Cummings also co-stars in it. Um, if you saw his film Thunder Road, if not, you should check it out. It was on Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a fan of that film, and I'm very much looking forward to this film. Uh, so we're going to be talking about it next week. It is available to rent on most streaming services, um, Vudu, Amazon, iTunes, that kind of thing. Uh, so check that out if you'd like to uh, listen to the episode, but know that it will be spoiler free. So you can hear our thoughts on it before you invest in it, if you prefer. Um, but in the meantime, we ask that you just you know keep up with us, follow us on those social things. Uh, Matt, where can they find us on Twitter? Uh, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And then, of course, we're over at the Instagrams at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, and you can find us if you're into you know more of the Facebook thing, something I have not been on in two months mm-hmm. because it's evil. But um, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on Facebook, uh, you, our Instagram posts still go there. So you, you can follow us if that's where you get your social media and you'll still get to see things. Uh, but what about if they want to follow you specifically, Matt? Where can they find you? Um, if they want to send me Whoopi Pies, my address is um, – no – you can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, uh, what I watch tonight, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as well. And you can hear me and John, Movie Astrology. Check it out on all of your podcast platforms, uh, and you'll hear us on there once every kind of like four to eight weeks. And I am at BurkeReviews.com, um, where you get this podcast and also the uh, Burke Reviews movie cast. And when I feel like it, some written reviews. It's been a, it's been a little while. I think we, I think Matt and I burnt ourselves out with the film festivals because we had to write so many reviews uh, back to back to back to back um, that we haven't written anything for a little bit. But we'll we'll, we'll start writing again eventually, maybe after twenty twenty. Maybe um, one day. But you can follow me on Letterbox, Instagram, Twitter at Burke Reviews. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute to. Uh, rate and review us on whatever podcast provider that you use. It helps other listeners find us and helps to make this show uh, feasible that we can keep doing it for as long as we are both able. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood.